0: Anger Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Tandine, for your um, incredible testimony of the encouragement, and really, God is our hero. Amen? And I also um, want to thank, um, since this is the, the last uh, section of my speech, I want to uh, once again thank the organizer, the worldwide. Is, uh, you have been tremendously blessing me and my life, and already Uh, share a lot with the hundreds of uh, our brothers and sisters, even back to China, through the Chinese uh, version of Twitter called WeChat. And um, and also I want to thank our partner organization uh, Release International. Thank you for your facilitation and years of partnership in supporting the persecuted church. I noticed uh, there are still uh, a few copies of the God's Double Agent, uh, my memoir, it is really um, a story of uh, God's grace and faithfulness. And um, I'm here, of course, not to sell in books, but I hate to let our sister sitting there and carry it back. And I think you would be uh, tremendously, tremendously blessed. And also you have a good bonus that uh, the God's double agent uh, will be able to sign his signature so that maybe 20 years later, who knows? Maybe in uh, the uh, what is called the eBay, maybe, <laughs> maybe can raise 200 pounds. <laughs> but praise the Lord, um, He is a faithful Lord, amen. He is um, a faithful, gracious, and covenant keeping Lord, and He has never failed us as His children. And although we oftentimes have been feeling him. I was uh, going to, I'm going to really share tonight um, about uh, how God um, in my family, in my life, um, really transformed a, a young guy, a, a zealous uh, atheist to a humanist, and then become an, a zealous ambassador for Christ. And uh, then I will share a few um, uh, updates, the latest update, um, as late as uh, uh, the day before yesterday, and uh, then um, a few prayer points so that you can pray for those brothers and sisters in China. I was uh, raised in a very uh, humble family, and uh, this is uh, my um, childhood home and my uh, uh, my childhood memory is always uh, basically you know poverty and unequ- inequality and injustice and my mom was a beggar from 1958 to 1961 3 years and she was begging food and her ex-husband just uh, could not afford food and uh, living condition anymore, so basically asked her to leave, um, and uh, she was uh, holding my elder sister on one hand, and, uh, my, uh, sister and uh, my brother on her shoulder just day and night, and one village after, na- after another, and one county after another, and uh, spring, summer, and fall, and winter going through the water, the flooding to the snow, and um, so until she met, um, she begged food at uh, my village and met with me with my father, and um, I was born, and, and another of my younger sister was born, and because of that, I mean, my, plus my father was a disabled man, and uh, he. C- could not really uh, make uh, a living by himself, and um, it was in that extraordinary kind of a poverty situation I remembered one day uh, because um, you know my mom long year long time of begging she had contracted with lung disease because you know eating of dirty Food and even dirt, even, you know, all kinds of things uh, she um, has, uh, she can find uh, during the so called uh, three years of China's uh, great starvation time. At least uh, 30 million people, Chinese, uh, died out of that uh, three years. And um, she had that lung disease, and every day, every night, um, I, I just heard she was coughing and coughing. And one day after I went back from uh, elementary school, I just, uh, you know, heard something was uh, dangerous. I could, uh, to, I could sense that she was dying. And uh, my sister came out and uh, said, our oh, mom is dying, so we need to go to find a barefoot doctor, the only one in our village. And my sister went to the barefoot doctor with me, and uh, we just... Uh, knocking the door, and um, the doctor did not show up. And uh, after a long time, his wife showed up and immediately saw it was uh, my sister and I. She said, no, your, you know, doctor has no time, And because she knew we couldn't pay back uh, for the medical uh, bill. And then she immediately just uh, shut the door in front of uh, these little children. And, and I remember my sister and I, Nailed down before the doctor's home, just uh, crying out and ask uh, you know, begging and uh, you know and crying out and said, you know, could my sister be your slave? You know, can you know work? Uh, my sister can work at your home and uh, you you let the doctor to come to rescue her mom. And of course, it didn't uh, happen. I both of us, I, I my my sister had to walk a few other miles to another village. And I just uh, so scared uh, walking back to my home, and uh, I could not face my dying mom, so I just uh, um, kneeling down before a hay um, uh, on the yard. And um, I think maybe that was the first time um, uh, that I opened up uh, desperately to seek a Kind of uh, a ontological supernatural being. Uh, My mom always told me that uh, even in the most desperate time, during her begging, she told me a proverb. Maybe she made uh, made it up herself. She said, uh, "Even a blind donkey can find uh, a a, a missing blind donkey can find its own home because the help of the uh, uh, heavenly grandpa." So that was my first time I was crying out to that heavenly grandpa. And um, this kind of experience and really plowed a very deep uh, seed of change in my heart. I was always wondering how can you, I use my own effort, my own personality, my own uh, energy to change my family situation, to change my fellow citizen's heart and um of course i gradually i mean i found maybe to become a uh, is the pr- real problem is uh, the economic issue because we were poor and i so i think maybe you know to become a millionaire will solve the problem and then gradually i found in china even if you're rich It would not guarantee that you will be treated with dignity and equality and justice. And a lot of Chinese uh, millionaires were imprisoned uh, uh, under the uh, Communist Party's rule. If you do anything, displease them. So at the time of my high school, I already develop uh, my own kind of elevated dream, I felt, well, maybe the best way to change myself, my family, and to give my uh, mom, um, you know, a better future, maybe some uh, adequate medical uh, treatment, and and my father is uh, to become a Communist Party official. And of course, uh, you know, the higher rank, the better. And uh, so I dreamed big. Um, we had a transition in, in China at that time. Um, by the graduation, uh, before the graduation of high school, we were all asked to write down our future dream. And I almost, uh, without hesitation, I wrote down um, my, the summary of uh, my summer kind of a, um, pro- project that I invested, investigated and uh, interviewed, um, the, uh, with many doctors, medical doctors, and, uh, farmers, and workers, and, uh, and, um, teachers. So I just, uh, listed, uh, my findings and also my policy recommendations. So I call it my first State of the Union address. Basically, it's, uh, um, um, some 30, 50, you know, 50 pages document. And um, I made my dream known uh, at the end of my document. I said, in order to you know, fulfill these policies on agricultural reform, industry reform, medical reform, and um, I need to become the first freely and democratically elect- elected prime minister in 20 years. That was 1987. I think today is already almost 2017. So 10 years past my deadline. Uh, already. But, you know, I thought, well, to become a a political leader can change, can make a meaningful change. And then, of course, in China, if you want to become a political leader, the first uh, criterion you have to be is uh, to join the Communist Party. So by 1980, early 1988, I already became accepted um, in the university uh, as, my, as a, a pre-member of the Communist Party, and uh, I was uh, very kind of uh, esteemed in the university, perhaps the only uh, student um, can, who can get into the pre- university president office without needing an appointment, and I felt, well, you know, I'm, I'm marching on toward that dream, until that year, um, many of you may have watched the TV uh, on about uh, the Tiananmen students' moment, when many of the students in Beijing started the the demonstration. I felt, wow, maybe you know that is the time for real change for my country, for less corruption, more democracy, and more freedom. So I, uh, but basically. Uh, organized the first demonstration uh, in my university, in my city, and then led um, our group of students uh, to the Tiananmen Square, and um, occupied part of the Tiananmen Square, and uh, had a sitting in and a protest. And it was uh, during that time I felt, well, you know, when I, when I called and uh, many students, hundreds of thousands, rallied and followed me, and. Um, I, I felt really uh, imminent uh, positive change uh, reform would uh, happen quickly, as many of you have witnessed on the early morning of June 4th, 1989. What had happened uh, was uh, when the so-called uh, Chinese um, uh, People's Government and uh, issued the martial law and ordered. The uh, hundreds of thousands of troops and using machine guns and uh, military tanks and uh, just uh, crawling and crushing on the body and killing and, and murdering and really massacring hundreds uh, of uh, Chinese students. I was um, really fortunate enough, and back now, of course, it's not about fortune, it's really God's grace and uh, His eternal plan. I left the Tiananmen Square three days before the massacre because my then-girlfriend, my wife Heidi, she was very sick for drinking the unclean water in the Tiananmen Square for for days and uh, was put in the emergency room already. And otherwise, I would be that maybe that tank man. And uh, it was uh, really, you know, it was a very hard uh, time uh, when uh, some of my uh, fellow uh, classmates went back to our uh, school and with the blood still on their shirt and uh, barefooted and uh, after crawling out of the bushes from the Tiananmen Square and um, basically really and uh, barely escaped uh, from the bullies um, and uh, many, many, many uh, dead bodies. And uh, they cried out and to, to everyone and said, they did kill, they did use the true bullies. Because we couldn't believe that. Um, we thought maybe, you know, initially the government would just, you know, use the, the rubber bullet. But it was so real. And then the uh, political revenge uh, started taking place, and the special investigation team assigned. Just uh, I was asked to make uh, writing confessions and day and night, basically, every detail what I had been doing during that time. Until one day, I was uh, also able to learn that uh, even some of uh, my friends, my close buddies, even betrayed me. And they even betrayed me um, by telling lies in order to show their loyalty to the Communist Party. So I was very, very, of course, uh, you know, disappointed um, because initially I was thinking, you know, I didn't do anything criminal, and I didn't uh, burn any uh, military vehicles, I didn't uh, burn any soldiers, and I was just uh, you know, leading a political kind of protest and want a country to change for good and uh, I thought you know I still have these buddies following me and um, you know they are still kind of uh, my close friends until that time when I learned you know they were between me and they were even telling lies I was facing imminent imprisonment during that time and so I was full of uh, kind of despair and bitterness and anger and uh, really uh, desperation. And um, I remembered every night I was kind of um, so down and um, being uh, forced to sit in in, in a room and um, waiting for the prosecutor uh, to instruct me how to kind of uh, um, correct my uh, confession record and a small booklet was handed to me by one of my classmates. It was a booklet uh, about a testimony of a Chinese pastor uh, in 1900 when Pastor Xi, that's his name, was uh, kind of uh, contracted with, uh, with the opium addiction at that time in Shanxi province. And then the story uh, tells me how uh, a missionary, a group of missionaries Uh, sent by this country from uh, Hudson Taylor's China Inland Mission and uh, found him and shared the gospel with these Chinese uh, intellectuals. And he was extremely smart and uh, he already passed uh, all the exams uh, to become, uh, actually at that time you have to pass exam, a certain exam to to get every uh, different rank officials. He has passed many exams but because he has a drug uh, addiction, so he just sold all these uh, uh, ranks, uh, his results, to somebody else in exchange for some money to buy more opium and, and uh, to, to eat. So when he, was, uh, he heard, heard the gospel from this uh, Chinese Inland Mission, and um, his life was uh, totally, totally changed, totally transformed, I was just, uh, you know, just uh, finishing that uh, one little book. It was uh, smuggled out uh, um, by my American te- English teacher who, were, who was teaching English to us, um, but they were kind of secret missionaries. And um, so, I mean, never under, I mean, underestimate one little booklet. And it was smuggled in from Hong Kong, and it was uh, using the traditional Chinese character. But really, I guess you know. I'm sure the Holy Spirit just uh, opened my eyes. I was just, uh, you know, f- uh, finishing reading it with one breath and uh, dictated a lot of uh, what I called beautiful sentences. Of course, a year later, after I became a Christian and got my first copy of the Bible, I compare my notes. I still kept that. It says, oh, you know, most of the beautiful sentences I dictated are from the Scripture. And it says, uh, you know, some, some, something um, especially powerful like uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, uh, uh, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. This other uh, translation says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. And uh, everything has gone. Everything old has gone, and uh, the whole thing has become new again. And I was uh, just uh, reading this. I was. It was uh, the Holy Spirit deeply convicted me, and it convicted me really to make me realize that uh, who am I, you know, could change the others without myself being changed first, and who can change yourself? without a heart's change. And who can change a heart without the Creator, the Redeemer himself? Here's the promise from God that if anyone is in Christ, you are a new creation. Right now, the present perfect tense, and the old has gone, the new has come. So I just uh, felt, you know, I said, Lord, you know, that is, you are the God that my mom, who prayed even before she knew you, that heavenly grandpa, who secretly already taken care of her, and you are the God that in my heart I'm looking for. You are the true living God. How can I escape knowing you? So I just uh, prayed my own prayer and uh, said, um, accepted Christ as my Savior and Lord. A new Bobfu has come; the old has gone. Even the next day, instead of a depressing kind of a, uh, a very subdued Bobfu, start becoming a little shining. And because I see even the birds start singing to me, the whole world really changed. And suddenly. You know, I kind of uh, really the transformation of the Holy Spirit, and uh, make me feel, or even had a, I had built a, a tremendous, unspeakable joy, and even compassion to my betrayers, to those uh, of uh, you know my enemies, from deep hatred, and uh, transformed, to a kind of love I could not even understood, understand. It was, I know, it was the Lord. And I was regarded as the first generation of Christian in that whole university, Chinese students in the whole university, after six years of prayer from a group of American Christian English teachers over there praying. And you know what? The Holy Spirit just worked like... uh, popcorn, you know. Every day there is a, you know, we didn't have our Bible at that time. I just uh, had a few Bible verses every day after class. I just write down on the blackboard John 3.16, you know, God so loved the world, you know. And every Sunday I try to bring as many people, students uh, to the church as possible. And of course, my first mission target was my then girlfriend, uh, now my wife. And, um, she persecuted me, unfortunately, only for one week. And, uh, and he, she kept uh, said, oh, you maybe, you know, was uh, depressed or persecuted. And, uh, but uh, she also came to Christ. A year later, my father became my disciple, my sisters, and my brother. And they all come to Christ. And you know what? The, um, last year, when I met with a group of my classmates, uh, who just visited my old university. After 20 years, there was already a big church already established nearby our university, now with more than 20,000 students there. And I was told the minist- the, the people, uh, I mean the membership over the past 20 years in the, that house, that church, because before I left, we did not have a church, and now there, there, there are over ten thousand people worshiping in that church. <laughs> Praise the Lord! Isn't that he, he? is faithful. He is good. That's the you know something. I, I think uh, I will share with you what had happened really uh, through what we call the prison theology, and um, really in China. Well, there are some, there are some photos. Um, this is my baptism photo and uh, we call it shower baptism I hope the Presbyterians can also accept and uh, (laughs) and, um, this is uh, our wedding and Heidi uh, and I we were uh, married by uh, Pastor Alan Yuan he spent uh, over 22 years and 8 months in prison and um, can you imagine 22 years and 8 months for, purely for the gospel's sake? And um, he told me, Pastor Al-Yuan, he said, if you want to be a faithful servant of the Lord in China, the first theological course you have to take is not systematic theology, hermeneutics, or, you know, uh, historical theology. It's called prison theology. And uh, I have been kind of praying, Lord, you know, I'm not mature enough, and uh, I don't know whether I can handle that uh, deep theology. And uh of a, um but then it was uh, uh, God, in God's humors, I was, uh, um, after graduate school in Beijing, I was assigned into this school called the Beijing Communist Party School, and uh, where in the daytime I was teaching English to the Communist Party leaders, and in the evening and the weekend, I was just riding my bicycles, keep preaching the gospel, and establishing house churches, and even establish an underground Bible school. And the beautiful thing, showing God is also a humorous God, was uh, by the end of each month, I got a full-time faculty paycheck from the Communist Party directly as my mission fund. I think uh, our missionary friends friends, always wants to have that, that, that deal. Uh, that kind of deal is good. And, of course, that's our house church. And we then kind of uh, in 1996, I guess the Lord said, uh, it's time to take your prison theology course and a little intensive course. So my wife and I were both imprisoned in 1996. And during that two months, uh, the most encouraging lesson I have learned is uh, really the Lord, Lord's grace is sufficient, and as long as you are faithful to Him, and uh, he, well, actually, you're, you, He's always faithful to you, and uh, with His covenantal promise, I remembered uh, for the first uh, few days and nights in prison, nobody there to talk to me in my you know, 20, 30 prisoner inmates in my prison cell. I was wondering why they all later on during the night when I was on duty because each night we're on duty to watch other prisoners so that they couldn't uh, commit suicide. And uh, I was uh, asking one prisoner, I said, why didn't you talk to me? They said, oh, before you came in, all our prisoners were already taught and warned by the prison guards and authorities that you are very dangerous. You have poison message. You can poison us. Well, it seems that uh, they know the gospel much better than many Christians. <laughs> and, uh, so I just started sharing the gospel and, uh, with one, after, one prisoner after another. And then, of course, a few days later, I was... Uh, dragged to the police uh, chief office. And uh, the police officer just knocked the, 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 the chair and, and the, the table and said, you know, brother fool, he called me even brother fool, said, you know this is the holy land of the Communist Party. How could you st- continue to preach your superstitious uh, the, the message? And uh, if you continue to do that, then maybe the, round of, uh, the, the, the electric shock baton will come to me. And I was a little afraid, and I uh, went back to prison cell. So every morning, I, I, mean, I knew I could not speak with words. But instead, we were, every morning, was asked to just, uh, everybody was lined up like uh, the Chinese dumplings, you know. And uh, <laughs> so you were staring at uh, straight forward. And uh, so we couldn't uh, talk to each other. And what could I do? I just uh, start s- uh, singing. And you know, Christianity is a singing religion, a singing faith. I just start. You know that sound, right? Give thanks to the Lord. And then. Everybody started following Bob Fu, who is uh, by no means a good uh, professional singer. And, uh, but it was just amazing, one after another. When I started singing, Shen Shang, then everybody just started giving thanks to the Lord. And then I was uh, brought back to the prison office again. They said, uh, No, you can't sing. <laughs> okay, what could we do? If the Lord gave us. Uh, the wisdom and creativity, I said, okay, now it's uh, the, uh, the, the term for the sign language. And uh, so every morning we started, we said, mm, 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 mm. and not only my prison cell started giving thanks to the Lord, and the whole other prison cells I could hear, we had a beautiful choir in the Communist Party prison. Isn't that beautiful? That's the the whole prisoner guards. I think maybe prison guards already started giving thanks to the Lord. And um, so that's how the prison theology works. And so every time when I see there is uh, persecution, I always, uh, you know, we pray for those brothers and sisters in prison. You know, the Communist Party now knows better so they would not assign Christian prisoners to be together. They knew every time they put the house church leaders in one prison, they started a house church in prison. <laughs> and uh, so, of course, when they are freed, they will continue to ministry. So wherever they go, in season, out of season, in prison, out of prison, is always God's church there. That's how God revived His church. So when this morning I just got this photo showing this 500-member church, in Henan Province was formally banned, and the pastor was telling our brothers and sisters that uh, you know they are praying how they would deal with that because uh, they would not allow to continue the service. I said, give thanks to the Lord. I think maybe 500 more churches will be planted out of that 500 members if they are not allowed, and we have the elders of church just. Last week, uh, two weeks ago, sentenced to seven and a half years imprisonment. We have Chinese Christian lawyers and uh, were arrested for over a year. Over 350 lawyers, human rights lawyers, and many of them Christians, were arrested in the past year. And uh, we have another pastor who was just sentenced to 12 years imprisonment for just uh, organizing the outdoor prayer meeting that this church is in Beijing. We have seen, you know, those every Sunday this church has brothers and sisters who rested and jailed. And uh, you see, I mean, how beautiful their smile is. And uh, even some of the prison guards now show the utmost respect to those brothers and sisters in prison. And I want to can conclude really to give you some prayer points. Of course you know the 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 kind of uh in the past two years there is a cross removal campaign, burning crosses and taking down all these crosses, over two thousand crosses from the two thousand churches and uh, some of them were totally destroyed the church and most of them with their cross being forcefully demolished. And I um, pray that, you know, the Chinese church really needs the equipping, the leaders, the leadership equipping. And we last uh, March in Hong Kong, we just uh, organized a training. We prepared only for 1,100 church leaders to come. By the first night, we have over 1,800 church leaders from all over China. You know, these many of them took trains these nights from the border area with the, with Russia, with the North Korean border area, all the way go to the South China, to Hong Kong, to attend the training. So we need to really pray that uh, in the next 10 year, 20, 10, 10, 20 years, we can, you know, we can train 10 to 20,000 church leaders and that they have a a solid um, biblical worldview and cultural mandate. So that when China entered into a Christianized nation, by 2030, remember, I have shared with you, the number of Chinese Christians will reach to 224 million. And by that time, I think China certainly needs the Christian prime minister, Christian educators... Christian Justice Department, uh, you know, AG, the Christian, you know, the education ministers. Certainly. So we need to prepare from now. And I want you to pray for that. I think um, God just, uh, you know, gave us this vision to equip these leaders. Uh, This year, I have uh, Jonathan Jonathan Chaplin from Cambridge University. Uh, will come in November to Hong Kong to train 400 of our church leaders. And we also need to pray those uh, brothers and sisters who are ex- persecuted, uh, we can know them better, uh, more accurately, so we can pray more specifically. So that's another uh, a mission of China Aid. Besides equipping the leaders, we exposing the abuses of the persecution. And uh, we also Provide the Family Prisoner Fund to support those who are persecuted in prison, like this pastor, Alim, who was sentenced to 15 years and still in prison, left his wife and two children outside the prison. And uh, so these are the uh, three um, uh, prayers uh, points I want to share with you. And I think, you know, with uh, the, uh, the, the missions, um, we, we are serving one God. Amen? And we are serving one body. And if one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. So let's remember those who are in bond as if we are bonded with them. And praise the Lord. Thank you for having me. And uh, may the grace of the Lord continue with all of you and so that uh, we can uh, keep our uh, truth, the truth of Jesus Christ, proclaimed faithfully and loyally to the end of the world. Amen. Thank you. (laughs) We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate